quick. Name the Penguins' best player so far this season. Okay, that actually is quick. As we saw again last night in Newark, it's Tristan Jari. Now name the best skater for the Penguins this season. We're going to have different ideas on this. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. Penguins hung on to beat the Devils last night. 3-2, seventh win in a row. This is starting to become a pretty neat thing. No, it was not their best overall effort. Yes, they needed Jari to bail them out, including absurdly having to make a save on a breakaway of all things in the final literal second of regulation. Good move by Mike Sullivan to go with Jari in a game that you might think you'd lean toward the backup. But the Devils are not a great matchup for the Penguins and haven't been ever since they've gone with this youth-slash-speed thing. They just come at the Penguins relentlessly with a lot of speed. And it kind of negates, in a way, a lot of the things the Penguins do or want to do with their own speed. So good for New Jersey for having an interesting team that's still losing most of their games and whatever else here. But the Penguins are getting results, and the Penguins are continuing to move up the standings and solidify their contender status, and they're doing so without, can't say this stuff often enough, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, and Brian Rust, the entire equivalent of what would be a first line on, I'd safely say, the majority of teams in the NHL. And if there's one player... And I'm going to emphasize again, as I did in the intro, a skater who's been the steadiest force out of anyone, with all due respect to the remarkable rise of Evan Rodriguez, because you always need a breakout type when you're in situations like this. You always need someone to step up, as the boys prefer to say. The rock of this team has been Chris Letang. And I can support that with statistics, and I will in a moment, but also think about what it is that you're seeing. Think about the level of hockey that he's playing and think about how little you think about him. Right? This used to be Mr. High Event Hockey before we pin that label pretty harshly at times on Mike Matheson, although he had a pretty big goal last night as well. And by the way, Matheson's advanced analytics are better than a lot of people might realize. He does a lot of good things out there. It's just that he, kind of the way Latang used to be, will only get noticed when he does some really big, spectacular, crappy thing. You know? Latang with very, 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 very few exceptions this season, isn't doing those things anymore. And I feel like it's time not only to acknowledge that, but to start discussing 
why the Penguins and Latang have yet to reach agreement on a contract extension. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. As promised, the supporting statistics in 26 games, Latang has a goal and 19 assists for 20 points. The 19 assists are five more than anyone else on the roster. I'm not talking about defensemen. I'm talking about any skater. Maybe because he hasn't been, you know, uh, pinging in a bunch of goals from the point, it can be overlooked how much offense he's contributing, but he really is. Uh, if you're one of those people who believe in long-term plus-minus, short-term plus-minus is completely worthless, but I think over the course of a season, it can mean something. Latang is tied with Marcus Pedersen for the team lead at plus nine. And if you're the kind who would rather flush plus-minus down the commode and look at advanced analytics, Latang's got a very healthy 52.4 Corsi 4 percentage at 5-on-5. Five five. And what that means is he's on the rink for a lot more shot attempts in favor of the Penguins than against. 52.4% compared to 47.8%. Wow, I can't believe I was just able to wing that math in my head there, but there it is, right? <laughs> he's been really, really good. And he's showing no signs whatsoever of slowing, of losing any skill. And actually, in fact, he's starting to look like he's even more useful because of whatever has gone into his smarts and maturity to make him this reliable. Again, the Latang perception was overblown, but there also was a real component to it. Coaches would acknowledge it. On very, very rare occasions, Tanger himself would acknowledge it. But when you see him playing the way he is now, you can envision what his level of play could be in two or three years, depending on how long you go with this extension. And that's a really important thing whenever you're committing significant dollars and significant cap space to an older player when you're looking at mid to late 30s. You want to know that that player can adjust, even if they're an elite player, even if they're Sidney Crosby. You want to know that they can mature and become, if it's required, a different type of player, but one that still brings a ton of value. What you don't want to do, and this is a term sports executives use all the time and not in a good way, is to pay for past performance. You don't want to write out contracts that say, hey, 
you know, we really appreciate everything you've done for us. That cup in 2009, you were the dominant defenseman, and we'll never forget what you did in Game 6 in San Jose, the best individual performance by a defenseman in franchise history. And so here's a big check for all that stuff. You don't want to do that. Actually, you can't afford to do that. The NHL's working with a flat cap still for the next couple of years. So these dialogues that my understanding is they're ongoing, if not necessarily front burner material, between Ron Hextall and Latang's representation, both sides, I'm sure, would welcome placing a premium on what he's doing now. It's the most valuable thing he can show. And you know what? He is doing that. He is showing the Penguins that in a big, big way. When we come back, just one question. Time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com/dk. FuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from Josh Dechesky, who asks, can we all admit that keeping Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese over essentially Brandon Tanev and Jared McCann is actually paying off, especially when it comes to the penalty killings, overwhelming success? Josh did send this after the penalty killing streak ended last night in Newark at 39 in a row, going all the way back to November 14. Uh, it was three short of the franchise record, and it was amazing. I mean, that is a really, really impressive thing. Streaks can come with a fluky feel, where the streaks themselves can become a bigger story as opposed to just a longer, sustained stretch of excellence, even if it was interrupted by one or two aberrations along the way. But the Penguins are number one in the league in PK by a mile. So they've been doing this from day one, and they don't exactly look like they're about to fall apart. Uh, for what it's worth, by the way, you brought up Teddy, uh, Josh, and this is what Teddy had to say last night in Newark about the streak ending. Honestly, we, we didn't really focus too much on it. I don't think that was ever really mentioned much in the room or in any of the PK meetings or anything like that. But... Um, yeah, I mean, we've been good. I, th I thought tonight, you know, we gave up quite a few chances and um, compared to, like, felt like the last couple of games, we were able to, to really limit good looks for them. And, um, you know, I think that's something that, you know, going forward next game, we're playing them again. So that's something we need to improve on for sure. That right there is who he is. He's going to talk all day long about something that's related to either having won the game or lost the game but he's not going to get into a penalty-killing streak discussion. He's not going to talk about the terrific shorthanded goal 
he had last night, creating his own breakaway with a smart read and poke check, and then skating out to center ice to collect the puck uh, and, and, and undressing the goaltender at hand with a forehand move through the five hole. Really, really, really nice play. Teddy's not going to be that guy. Uh, if you get into comparing, to finally get to your actual question here, the it almost feels like we're talking about a trade, doesn't it? I was about to say, if you compare the trade, it's not a trade. Uh, there were still things, and I will still feel wholly justified in criticizing Ron Hextall and Brian Burke for this, that could have been avoided in that expansion draft. They did not need to lose two players. But if you step back and you take into account everything, not just the two players you cited against the other two players you cited, but if you take into account cap space and uh, allowing the Penguins to have the freedom to sign, let's say, Danton Heinen, uh, Evan Rodriguez, don't forget, was retained. Whereas if you're paying a ton of money, as people like me were suggesting that you do with Cody Cece, maybe you don't keep those guys. That, to me, is a much fairer and accurate scope of comparing the pluses and minuses of all this than it is to just say, well, McCann and Tanev scored last night, so what do uh, you know McGinn and Heinen have or or Bluger, if you're comparing who was protected and who wasn't. Look, if you go straight up and you're talking about the expansion draft, you're probably getting into a Bluger versus McCann argument because you're talking about who was the principal figure that the Penguins chose to protect, who would have needed to be protected, meaning Ron Francis absolutely would have taken him if he was available. And I do feel that's a Bluger versus McCann issue primarily. But even there, you have to apply context and circumstance because the Penguins aren't a rebuilding team that's just looking for, let's take player with a assigned value of 80 over a player with an assigned value of 75. What you're looking at is people who fit within your system, within your existing roster. An expansion team has to do that to an extent. GMs will talk about that. They'll say, we're looking to build a team here, not just a collection of talent. They're going to be looking for different types of players, but the Penguins already know and knew what they had in Bluger and how he fits in and how he works with other wingers to form a really strong checking slash two-way line. And I'd like to think, though I've never heard this directly, that Mike Sullivan would have been influential in that. Sullivan, for whatever reason, wasn't wild about McCann. We saw that. We didn't have to wonder about it. We certainly didn't have to listen to his words because he was never going to say that. You just watch how a player gets utilized. He saw value in Bluger. And, uh, you know, I'm inclined to ride uh, with the coach, especially when he just goes out and gets results, which is what's happened here, which, by the way, is happening across the board with this hockey team. Seven in a row is not a small thing. 
And we'll talk more about that tomorrow in advance of another meeting with the Devils, this time at PPG Paints Arena. Thanks so much for listening, and let's let's do it again. 